0: Hey, this is Donnie with Letters of Transit, and you are listening to The Mind of Little Rage on Anchor FM. It's time to get loud and get heard on a Saturday edition of The Mind of Little Rage. And now your host, Charles Little Rage Alloway everyone to a Saturday edition of the Mind of Little Rage and on today's program this is going to be the second band that I have been able to chat with from the wonderful United Kingdom and this time we've got some British accents which is really cool. I've been looking forward to this. So uh without any further ado I would like to introduce the band Tricky Business. And on the program, we have Ali, who is lead guitar, and Luke, who is the drummer, and Jack, who is vocals and bass. They also have two new singles that will be released here in the next few days and weeks coming up. And we will also get to hear the brand new single, that they have released called circles. But uh before we get into the music, let me int- or let me welcome Ali, Luke, and Jack to the program. How are we doing today? Yeah, how you doing? Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, good man. Yeah, good. Thank you.
0: All right. So the first thing out of the gate is you're from Birmingham. And there's a lot of uh, famous bands and famous musicians that came from Birmingham. Yeah, definitely. and we've heard, you know, Tony Iommi and you know Geezer and Ozzy talk about how dark and and kind of dirty that the that the town is. Is it is it that way for real, or was that just something in the past?
2: Uh, I think it's it's yeah, it's more different now. Oh yeah. But uh, there's less industry and stuff now, so I think it's probably yeah, cleaner. It's, but it's definitely no,
3: still
0: got no, its grimy no. parts. Yeah. Okay. I think that's just about every American city. You know, you got your industrial yeah, district, but not, and it's nasty. Yes. You know, especially, yeah. we got a here in Houston. We have an area, or it's a smaller town inside of Houston called Pasadena, and we call it Pasadena Get Down Dina because if <laughs> one of those one of those plants goes up, like it explodes or something like that, you better get your ass down because you're going to die because they're so close together. <laughs> it's crazy.
1: Not quite I'm like but nearly.
0: <laughs> well, here's here's the thing is when you sent me, when Ali, when you sent me the song and I immediately put it on just to kind of get a, a grasp of, of what I was going to be uh, listening to and to kind of prepare myself, uh for this interview or this conversation i was pleasantly surprised that this was just dripping in blues and that's something that i preach for lack of a better term on this program is that that concrete foundation in the blues is this uh is, is this something that everyone in the band is has a has a firm grasp of is the blues uh, yeah, well, I mean, for me, definitely, I'm a really big blues guy.
3: Yeah, I, I'm. I've got a deep love for the blues. I sort of started for me with like Robert Johnson, BB King, and stuff like that. That's, that's my sort of background on it. And then I sort of from there went for Clapton and that sort of thing.
1: I think the other guys have more of a more of a grasp on it than myself. But I listen to it, very similar music, so they've sort of analysed it and learnt about it more. And then I've uh, essentially picked it up, and it matches my drumming style. So.
0: I was uh, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised because I don't get a lot of of bands that have the have that that prominent blues sound, and it just put a smile on my face because, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, you know Stevie Ray Vaughan and Joe Bonamassa, you know, and of course, BB King, you know, uh, you know Robert Johnson. and and if you hear some of his stuff, it is so haunting and just, you're just like, did he really make a deal with the devil? Holy crap. You know, (laughs) but uh, you know, and of course you have bands like Led Zeppelin who are heavily influenced by the blues, black Sabbath. uh, And, and if you're in pretty much any kind of, of modern music, maybe not EDM or something like that, you're, you've got to be influenced by the blues. So, um, yeah totally I, I i loved it i i, I it just it made me it made me smile is what it did so thank you for doing that thank before, you before yeah before we get into uh the music let's let's get to know the three of you a little bit better who were your major influences musically that led you to this point
3: uh ali do you want to start
0: uh
3: yeah
2: okay so i'd say my earliest influences probably just come from um, what my parents listened to, which I suspect is probably the same for a lot of musicians. But they're really big into 60s and 70s rock. So stuff like Zeppelin, ACDC, The Stones, uh, Pink Floyd, Hendrix. Just sort of everything you would expect, really. Uh, as I got into my teens and I started to move people my own age into rock music, I probably got introduced to more modern stuff. Right from stuff like kind of Queens of the Stone Age and Foo Fighters, through to more bluesy bands, uh, The White Stripes, uh, the early Black Keys records. And then when I got to about 18, that's when I kind of started to discover the blues. I didn't really know anyone who listened to blues, so I really just had to work it all out for myself. But I got really heavily into it. Um yeah, people like Robert Johnson, B.B. King, a really big one for me as well, is John Lee Hooker. I just love that kind of pulsating driving rhythm he has in the song. Um so yeah, that, that's sort of my background, really. Uh
3: so for me, it was like I don't I don't know like I don't know how much of this you sort of get in America because it was quite a big British movement but there was a uh, in the 60s it's like the movement of the mods I don't know if you know any about that but it was like in Britain uh it was all like beat music and it came out of like Scar and stuff like that and then so my sort of influences from that is like The Who and then The Jam, Weller. which I'm not sure how much that stuff actually translated to America really but um
0: it's here <laughs> yeah I mean, it just it you know, something like that, it didn't have that that immediate impact like you know the Beatles. A, yeah, it was a culture or or Led yeah. Zeppelin did, you know that especially you know more towards my time period when uh, when I started discovering you know the different music and stuff like that, you know, we, we were still within the British invasion. Yeah. Or the new wave of British heavy metal, you know, you had your maidens and Def Leppard and, and Priest, and I don't yeah. know if Def Leppard actually falls into that heavy metal category, but, you know, that's where most people put them, so. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm i musically bipolar. I can go from, you know, one of my mo- most favorite things to listen to, and and I just melt every time she opens her mouth, is Adele. And uh you know i can change and go to zz top and then at the end of the day i'm probably listening to something like fear factory or something like that so uh i jump all over the place matter of fact last night i went from country to like divine heresy within like two seconds it was crazy (laughs) most people would get a headache if they did that type of thing so (laughs) 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 all right so uh, how long has uh, has Tricky Business been together as a band? Um, I think the first auditions were about
2: 2017, but actually us together, us three, was probably late 2018 when we came together. We've had quite a lot of lineup changes. We actually started as a, as a five-piece before we came to be a three-piece, but yeah, I'd probably say about 2018 was when the three of us came together.
1: I think yeah, was it, I said, be, it was very right. early 2018, something like that. And then, yeah. Because I, I uh, joined the band. I think it might have been late, late 2017. Yeah, it might have been actually.
2: I think our first uh, was January 2018. So we yeah, ended yeah. 2017.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay. so we're going over a little over two years now.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. That. Good deal. Good deal. And for all this COVID nineteen bullshit and all the lockdown and martial law and whatever else. Um, were you all able to get out and do any kind of gigging or anything like that?
2: Oh yeah, we've done that share of gigging, definitely.
0: Mainly in Birmingham, kind of the surrounding area, but we have gigs a bit further
2: afield as well.
3: Yeah, we we sort of when we say like our furthest away gig, we sort of get paled with a marathon. It's like you guys can drive for like days. <laughs> you can it's like seven hours to drive anywhere in the UK. You can drive to the end of the, the end of the UK and seven hours job there.
0: That's only halfway through Texas if you do that seven (laughs) hours. If that. I mean, quick, quick story. My my stepdad uh, is a uh, retired highway patrolman, and he was just scanning through, you know, the radios, uh, the CB radio, and this trucker who was in Abilene, Texas, which is, eh, it's not quite halfway, but it's a little closer to halfway through on the northern side. And he goes, God damn! How big is this fucking state? <laughs> he, he gets on there. And he says, "Where are you at?" And he says, "I'm just, you know, I'm just east of Abilene." He said, "Well, you know, where are you coming from?" He said, "Man, I left from Texarkana eight hours ago, and it's and Jesus. I just passed a sign that said El Paso, 593 miles." Oh, he wow. goes, "Yeah, you got about another eight to ten hours to go." <laughs> and i'm just like (laughs) (laughs) this is crazy yes it's 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 almost too big but you know we're all crazy texans down here and the bigger the better kind of thing so (laughs) whatever so how would you describe the sound of tricky business and i know that's you know we kind of already did that you know uh, a bluesy sound but there's always nuances that uh, the band members have that that maybe the listeners or even myself don't pick up on
1: I think we struggle um, to really come across a proper genre that suits us to be honest like we we always have arguments about whether we are like a blues rock band or
0: uh, yeah, yeah.
1: maybe pushing towards mm-hmm. a bit alternative or because mm-hmm. I think some of our songs vary so much
2: We've definitely yeah. played gigs where we're sort of billed to fit into a category and we maybe don't yeah. quite appeal. So if we're booked onto like a blues rock gig where maybe you've got an older audience, we aren't necessarily playing straight up blues rock, so it might not fully translate and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I don't think we neatly fit in to anything in particular.
3: I mean, primarily we're really fucking loud, which doesn't really come across <laughs> well in a record.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> But see, but live is where it's really at, though. That's that's yeah, you know, yeah. you only get a piece of it on, you know, Spotify or or, or yeah, iTunes or something like that. But when you go see a band, that's when you really get to 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 see, you know, wow, you know, these guys are really good because you know most people know you when you go in the studio, you can nitpick and and fix things, but when you're live, you fuck up. People, you know, either are like, whoa, that was cool, or oh god, they fucked that one up big time, you know, but <laughs> uh, you know, live is where you get you know, you get that feeling you get that experience of, of just being able to go yeah, these guys got it
3: Yeah, absolutely, I and mean, for us it's like an adrenaline thing as well
2: mm-hmm. And it's weird how interacting with the crowd can almost affect how you play If you get a good crowd, you play well Like, and if you can get of a crowd that's just not responding they don't seem interested it kind of becomes very frustrating and you maybe find you making more mistakes than you normally
0: would It's, it's yeah playing live makes a really big difference well speaking on that would you say that and i and i just speaking from experience if i'm in front of a crowd that's not really you know reactive or whatever they're got their nose in their phone or you know their head up their ass whatever it may be does that make you want to play even better, maybe even louder and just say, hey, we're up here, asshole, pay attention?
1: Yeah. I think certainly for me, being a drummer, I'm sort of at the back. So I think if the crowd's not really paying attention, I just have a lot more fun with it and I just go a bit crazy, to be honest. But you know, you've got to make them sort of try and listen to you somehow, get their face off the phone, like you said.
0: Spoken like a true drummer. Yeah. I love
2: it. <laughs> I just remember we had this one gig in particular. We've been... I'm not sure why we were booked, to be honest. It was about a year or so ago. It was two other indie bands were on the spot. So it, it was an indie crowd. Oh, yeah. And we came on. The crowd didn't seem interested. I remember Jack was... It was sort of about a 10-metre gap in front of the stage. There was no one standing. Jack was sort of interacting, trying to get people to come forward, and people just didn't seem interested. It, it, you do kind
0: of want to impress them, but it is just very frustrating when that happens, unfortunately.
3: That was, that was an odd night. Yeah, I remember
0: that. I, I've had stories like that. We... uh first band i was in uh we were we were doing like thrash metal type thing and and this is ninety one, ninety two, and grunge was you know of course taking over and nobody was listening to metal anymore we went to a show and of course we're doing our original metal stuff and the guitarist turned around and looked at me and goes all right misfits so we did where eagles dare and everybody turned and went Mm. It, they just went from like some thrash metal to punk, and and uh, you know by the end of the show, everybody was like, "All right, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah, you know, we didn't we didn't know about you guys, but you pulled out the Misfits, and you're all right." Mm. And I'm like, "It's pretty bad. You know, we have to pull out a song like that to <laughs> to get them to even pay attention yeah. to us." So. so
1: sometimes it's matching the songs to the right crowd, there isn't it?
0: it? It you know, and it really was. And I was you know like uh. 17 at the time, so uh you know it was learning experience and um you know you just and that's that's part of the the whole playing live thing is is learning from you know being able to adapt to the crowd you know okay well they're not feeling this stuff let's change it up just a little bit because you can spend all day on on a set list and then by the third song you're like fuck it we're we're doing <laughs> something different <laughs> get rid of yeah. that playlist
3: <laughs> usually usually for us we sort of arrive at the venue, and we sort of look around, and we're like, okay, we're going to change some
0: stuff. <laughs> and, you know, and that's smart. I mean, you know, I'm 46 years old, and I never would have even thought of that, you know, uh, prior to, you know, my early 20s, is to actually, you know, get your gear in the venue, and then, you know, if you're going on third or fourth, you just kind of walk around and go, okay, what are they reacting to? <laughs> okay, yeah. And it, and it finally just kind of clicked, so... Yeah, it, it's just a learning experience, and it just takes time and and uh, and wisdom as you as you grow older as a band.
3: Um, I was just gonna say it's it's sort of one of those things that like we sort of we've sort of developed a bit more of a a bit more of a thing, and, and for us, there's also a point where we are kind of a bit more particular about what gigs we're actually accepting and stuff like that.
0: So you know, I, think, I I think you have part. to. I think you have to, and I think that smart is is being at least somewhat picky about what what you know shows you decide to do, you know, because you I mean, if you're you know if you're a band like Strapping Young Lad or something like that, you definitely don't want to go on a tour with like um, uh, ZZ Top. Yeah, yeah. That would just be a, a dichotomy there of course you know you've got bands like mastodon and clutch who go out together and it's you know they're they're you know pretty pretty different but uh and they they make it work as well so you you just don't know until you get on the stage and you actually get with uh get an idea of what the what the audience is like yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. but i totally understand that with the lockdown and everything like that how hard is it to uh, to get together to come up with new music because I can only imagine being a three-piece it's it's very it's imperative that all three of you have your your input and everything like that has it been more of a challenge to to be able to 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 write songs yeah we haven't I mean, really been anything
1: at all impossible it? to be honest <laughs>
0: yeah we, we've
3: we've sort, of, we've sort of gone on a bit of a we've just used it at the time to sort of sort our social medias
1: out and get mm-hmm. out it in mm. together and that sort of thing yeah we've been quite lucky with the time well not lucky but like the way it's fallen and the singles being finished uh, we've been able to use this sort of to promote them a bit differently yeah. Uh, yeah. and you know re- release them during this so that we still have uh, material to do like I think if it was maybe a month earlier then we'd be a bit strapped for uh,
3: yeah. and what it, we it's could been... release it's good for us because we can sort of the, – the change is sometimes different and it comes with new inspirations because we can sort of take away from it, mm-hmm. step away from, the, from our like routine of like solidly gigging loads and just be a bit more creative ourselves. And then we can bring back into the studio once this is all over with new ideas and get some fresh mm-hmm.
0: stuff. Early. It, it, that's just maximizing your time. Yeah. And, and doing what you can with, you know, with what you have or, you know, as as I'll say, you know, time and time again is adapting and overcoming. So and we've all you know, we've had to do that here in the U.S. as well. A lot of the bands have had to do that. You know, we're doing they're doing live streams instead of actually going to venues and stuff like that on YouTube or Facebook or something like that. Have you all thought about maybe trying to do a, a live stream or anything like that?
3: Yeah, I've been I've been streaming a lot, but like we haven't been able to because you can't get in like England. You're not allowed to get together with anyone that's mm-hmm. not in your household at the moment. So that's like pretty difficult. Um, so it's
2: not really possible for us to like meet up even in someone's house or anything like that. Yeah, it's sort of really at the yeah, it's it's pretty strict over here.
0: Man, yeah, okay, so I thought we had it bad over here. <laughs> 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 Holy I, shit. I
3: I suppose we're quite lucky in a way because we're like there's no. Sometimes with bands you get a bit of an anxiety that if you, the momentum stops then everything will stop. But we're like primarily we, we're we're friends as well as like yeah. we go out together a lot and we'll go drinking together. So we're sort of pretty. There's no anxiety of like not restarting for us because it's <laughs> just sort of a case that if we can just wait. It's fine for us.
2: And it was fortunate that it fell once we got these singles. Because yeah, totally. we're able to just spend time pushing it on social media, radio, things like this. So we are kind
0: of fortunate in that respect. Yeah. So there really is a, a brotherhood within Tricky Business. It's, you it's, uh, know. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, I guess oh, yeah. it's more like the Three Musketeers.
3: <laughs> I mean, th- those guys were living together for a while. And I mean, I was... Uh, barely leaving the house <laughs> and uh, they
0: had to kick me out sometime. <laughs> get the fuck out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the music scene like there in birmingham i mean before all this lockdown and shit what was the music scene like was it you know was it it's diverse or were there's you know just yeah, certain pockets it's
3: weird man there's a lot of There's a resurgence in certain things like music over here is really big with like the grime scene. So like rap is a big deal Mm. in Birmingham and it's like rap, metal and indie are really strong. They're the big three. Everything else is quite fringe. But, you know, if if you look for it, it's there. It's like any sort of major city. You've got to just sort of know your spots and, and it's one of those things.
0: Well, that's good because, you know, we have a lot of music scenes that are dying. And and this was even before, you know, all this lockdown stuff and music scenes, you know, towns were just dying. Like Kansas City is, you know, Kansas City is just dying. But you have areas like uh, Columbus, Ohio, that it's kind of like the new Seattle. There's so many different bands there and it's just growing and, and the community actually supports it.
3: Yeah yeah. I mean we're quite lucky in Birmingham because it's quite there's quite a lot of art culture there in the I mean there's two there's two galleries in central Birmingham alone that I've been to and that I know of. Um and there's loads and loads of studios and you know rehearsal spaces venues you know there's not there's not loads of venues a few venues have closed recently but they sort of pop up here and there but it's just getting to know them.
2: There is definitely an audience for rock music in Birmingham as well. Because yeah, yeah, I'm not actually from Birmingham originally. I'm from uh, a city called Newcastle, and there's not really a rock music scene there. It's well, it's sort of mainly Indian alternative. So I think we'd really struggle to actually get gigs if we were gigging in my hometown. But in Birmingham, it's, there's definitely more of a
0: of a crowd for what we do. Yeah, well, I think something that that kind of gets lost, you know, and and I might be speaking out of my ass, but Something that, that kind of gets lost is people forget that music is art. So if you have you know an art-heavy town that's really supportive of the arts, music should flourish in those towns. And it sounds like Birmingham really has that kind of attitude. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that.
3: Yeah, we're pretty fortunate in
0: that. During these conversations, I kind of like to ask uh, maybe some off-the-wall questions or something like that. And I chose a couple for you guys. And the first one is if you could be an opening act for any band in the world, who would it be?
3: Oh, cool. Pink Floyd. You'd go Pink Pink Floyd. Any day. Yeah. Ali, who'd you go for, man?
2: Um, I want to say Zeppelin. I know you knew I'd say Zeppelin, but yeah. I'm be terrified because <laughs> yeah. you just know you get blown out of the water and everyone would, <laughs> oh, would think yeah. about you after you got on. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
3: I think uh, I'd love to open for an Oasis reunion. That would be pretty cool. That would be good,
2: actually, yeah.
3: Because that's, like, yeah, that's another one that didn't really translate to the States as well. Oasis, to us, is like, they were the biggest rock band in the UK for, since like the Beatles. It was the Beatles and then Oasis, and that was like, they were the two great. The, the two most popular rock bands like yeah. everyone knows oasis songs everyone can sing along to
2: yeah because rock isn't particularly huge with our generation but i know plenty of people our age who might not listen to rock music but they're really big oasis
0: fans
1: everyone knows oasis don't they
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well you know if you don't know oasis or the music of oasis you know of the uh you know the 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 fights and yeah. uh, dysfunctionality of the band uh, and when you said Oasis, I'm like, y'all better stay off stage because there might be some flying guitars being thrown at each other <laughs> oh, on stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, you gotta, you gotta have your, uh, you gotta have your head ready for that.
0: You, you know, and it's funny, it, you you look at the history of the Beatles, and towards the end of the run as the Beatles, you know, they became, you know, fairly dysfunctional. You know, especially, you know, Paul and John, they, you know, they were at, at, at odds and George and Ringo had their, you know, bouts with everybody. But it never got that dysfunctional where they were, like, punching each other in the face and spitting yeah. on each other and walking out and, and stuff like that. And then you hear about Oasis and you're like, what the fuck, guys? Y'all are yeah. brothers, <laughs> for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> that's
3: <laughs> but it, hey. isn't it? About, that's the thing about brothers. They know
0: exactly how to piss you off. Oh, that's that is no lie. That is no lie. And it's just not brothers, it's sisters, because my sister knew exactly how to piss me off, you know, <laughs> you know, walk up behind me, you know, as a kid and, you know, I running around outside with no shirt on, you know, and uh, she'd come up and just just open hand slap me right between the shoulder blades and drop me to my knees, you know, and I'd be like, all right, that's your ass. <laughs> That's your ass. I'm fixing to get you. I don't care if you're a girl right now. I just, I'm, I'm fixing to whoop your ass. Of course, she'd take off running and run to mom, but whatever, you know, if you were not a musician, and I know this is kind of a loaded question, but if you were not a musician, what do you see yourself doing?
1: Tricky question.
0: It is a tricky question <laughs> because usually, you know, I'd get the answers like, uh, nothing. I would just be a musician. <laughs> And that's an acceptable answer. That's actually a really good answer.
2: I think if I had to, I'd like to do, I don't know, I don't know what kind of jobs it would even be, but something outdoors maybe. I'm quite, I quite enjoy stuff like hiking. So I guess, I guess you're going to get paid to hike. Though. I don't know. Yeah.
1: A, <laughs> but, guided tours or something.
2: Yeah, I don't know, probably something outdoors. I don't know what. Though.
0: Okay, I can take that because, you know, we've all got, you know as much as we love being a musician and as much time and energy as we put into being a musician, we have you have to sometimes step away from it and go do something else video games, being outside, you know mm-hmm. playing sports, you know something like that so I
3: reckon, I reckon I'd probably lead a cult really what <laughs> <laughs> yeah do
2: you know
0: what i
3: mean some I'd mean you know. If someone, were, if like a bunch of people worshiped me as God, that'd be pretty cool. I've been into, be into that.
0: <laughs> That's the first time for this show. I love that. Answer. Smoking
1: like a true lead singer. Yeah.
0: yeah you know I mean?
1: <laughs>
0: uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break and listen to circles. And when we come back from listening to that phenomenal song, we're going to have the three of the guys talk about the song a little bit more in depth. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. We are back with tricky business. I've got Ali, Luke, and Jack here on the program with me today, and we just heard "Circles." And as I alluded to earlier, it is very blues heavy, which I, I immediately fell in love with. What can you tell me about the song? And feel free to go as in depth as you want. Do so you want to talk about the lyrics and the meaning, Jack?
3: Um. Yeah. Right. I mean circles what is it about oh, i don't really know. <laughs> um i think it's probably about i think it's about someone that can really get under your skin uh and really just sort of drive you a bit fucking mental and it's usually a woman in uh in a, in my case but
0: <laughs> i'm right there with you
3: you know it's it's, it's and it's about it's about I think it's about the frustration of you know not knowing what someone else wants from you. I've just realised
2: who the song's about, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what, hang on. I
3: don't think even I know that. <laughs> I need to look back on the lyrics. It's been a while since I wrote it.
0: <laughs> but, so yeah, what sticks out with me with the song? Uh, not you know, just the song as a whole is just it. I mean, it hit me at the right time, and I'm just like, Oh, thank you, Jesus. Some blues, some <laughs> just straight up, you know, hard rocking blues. I love it. But what got me was that guitar riff. Where did that come from? Uh, I can't remember when I came up with that. Uh,
3: That's oh, it's it was, an old one, it's that, yeah.
2: That's awful. one actually that so, with most of our songs, it, we can only. From, like, me maybe bringing an idea into the room, we can crank it out in, like, a month or a couple of months. But that one took a long time. It was one we kind of worked on, then we'd leave it for ages and come back to. I think probably from, like, the very first idea I had to us finishing it, it was possibly, like, a year. Yeah,
3: it's been through a lot of different iterations as well. Before that, like, we've gigged it for a long time, and it's sort of changed
2: Changed, over
3: that course. But, yeah, it's, for me, the initial the initial thing that i took from it was that intro guitar thing gave me some i sort of imagined it as quite chain gang feeling because of it's sort of it drones and it's just very Mm. bright rhythm two notes and that was pretty cool for me
0: the first the first couple of seconds i'm just like entranced by by and it's something very simple you know and and like you said it drones on but at the same time it kind of drives it, it kind of pushes you a yeah. little bit and i'm just like oh you know and i'm just mm. yeah it's, i, I, it's I had to opening. crank that bastard up high i mean I, i'm surprised my ears aren't bleeding because i cranked <laughs> that motherfucker up loud in my headphones but uh it's
3: an odd opening riff because gigging it we've I've sort of um, got some sort of different vibes from it every night. Like some nights it's pretty thriving and pretty, you know, it's more of one of those sort of pump up songs. And then some nights I've sort of started playing it and it's felt quite dark and a bit um eerie in a way. Yeah, see, I play from it.
0: that's that's what I love about music is it's is it's so subjective for the listener. Yeah. You know, for me, it it, it kind of pumped me up and and you know, kind of you know revved my engine so to speak. But yeah, yeah. But somebody else could listen to it and go, "Oh, this is going to be a very depressing song."
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and and I, I love that that subjectivity when it comes to to music, especially on the listeners from the listeners' perspective.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So change gears a little bit because I don't get a chance to talk to many people from the UK, you know, and, and, and here in America, we kind of bastardize this certain sport. We call it soccer when it should be called football.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: quite a, that's
3: quite (laughs) a sore one, bro.
0: you, You know, and, and, you know, and, and I love my American football, you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboy guy, but you know, I played, uh, I played 14 years of the vulgar soccer here you know in in high school and in league and stuff like that are are y'all football fans uh yeah
3: yeah Yeah, i mean everyone loves it's sort of like a british thing you're a bit weird if you don't watch it yeah
0: but that would be that would be like us watching american football you're we think you're kind of weird if you don't like football
1: everyone just sort of grows up with it and even if you're not a football fan you'll still go to the pub to watch the football yeah, sure. yeah.
3: There's some like weird sort of cultural things with that. Yeah.
2: So who's your what... team? Uh, I'm Newcastle United,
1: I'm Aston Villa, myself, Birmingham three it's three.
3: I don't really, I don't follow that much. I'm follow, I just follow what go to the pub. Really, it's just an excuse. Really, at the end of the day, isn't
0: it? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you know, I, I, I guess Premier League, uh, and don't shoot me for it. Uh, please don't you know buy a ticket once everything is is lifted and come over here and like shoot me in my sleep or something like that. But I'm a Manu guy. I love Manu. Ah. You know, but but I I, so, I don't, so, I don't shit on the other here. teams. I don't shit on the other teams. Like you know, Arsenal is great. You know, uh, you know, Newcastle United. You know, yeah, I just like watching Premier League soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. you know, luckily we've been able to get quite a bit of that here. Over the past couple of years, you know, I think it's NBC's been carrying uh, Premier League soccer over here. Of course, I watch Bundesliga too, and 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 I just I can't get enough of
1: it. No, I think the two you've mentioned are definitely the most entertaining leagues, or some of the most entertaining leagues in the world. You know, the the quality of football on show is just brilliant.
0: And and when I watch MLS here in America, I'm just like, oh man, this is like (laughs) watching. This is worse than Bush League. This is shit. (laughs) <laughs> you know, compared to to you know Bundesliga and Premier League, I'm just like Mm-mm, no, I'll just I'll pass, I'll wait till the Premier League game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's that's fair enough.
0: And and it's and it's wonderful. And uh, you know, when we finally got a a football team, um, uh, you know, I'm just gonna call it soccer because it's easier for me. No offense, guys. Thank but you know, um, when when we finally got a soccer team in my high school our coach was like we're playing european style we're going to pass back if we need to we're not going to be the american push forward we're going to incorporate a lot of the european style of, of football to you know yeah set ourselves apart we we didn't understand it we i think we, lo- we won the two years i played i think we won two games you know we got our ass kicked <laughs> a lot you know but uh because we were playing European style soccer against that straightforward American style, and you know we yeah. just weren't ready for it. So, but that's he, but thanks for indulging me in that. Because like oh I said, yeah, I don't no, get a chance anyway. to to talk to too many uh, individuals from the UK. So I appreciate like, that.
3: For us, we're like our, our main sort of thing is American football. Why is it called American football? Because f- don't you play it with your hands? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we only kick it. T- we only kick it three times. You know, yeah. field goals, kickoffs, and punts. That's it. So why yeah. is it called football?
1: I don't know, man. American rugby it should be called <laughs> American rugby. <Yeah. laughs> American rugby. Yeah.
0: It, it, you know, yeah, it's it's way more akin to to rugby or Australian rules football.
3: Mm, it's way
0: yeah. more akin to that than you know than football or you yeah. Know, you know, we're the only country. I think maybe Canada, but but we're the only country I think that calls it soccer. Everybody else in the world calls it football, which is because you primarily use your feet. Yeah. You, you know, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm going way off subject, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay because that's that's one of the beauties of, of of a program like this is we can go off on tangents.
3: This is so us, though, right? Because. We'll we'll start an in an interview about music and we'll end up be talking about football. But even on like an American show, we're still doing that. That's
0: <laughs> this is nothing
3: new yeah. for us. it's, yeah, like I it's really part cool.
0: of the <laughs> conditioned to, to be honest, but, with
3: yeah, you. it's like a set question in our interviews. So did you see the game like, last night? <Yeah.
0: laughs> you know, I, I always thought that was a stereotype. You know, you see some, you know, like a British comedy or a British. Uh, television program and and it does it seems like everything kind of centers around football in the in the sense that hey did you see you know did you see the match last night you know or yeah. you know uh yeah yeah i actually got on the pitch after the game or something like that you know hey did i use that term correctly pitch that's the yeah, 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 yeah. so um it always comes in and i'm just it just kind of puts a smile on my face every time i you know even watching like uh what's that show? The IT crowd, love it. Uh, yeah, show. yeah. That
1: leaded
0: display last night. go to a play game, ball, <laughs> like, they're to the game and like they're like, this is boring. Oh, he passed the ball, you know, and again yeah, he passed again. Yeah. You know, I'm like and I'm like, that's a typical American reaction. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
1: I think oh. It's it's very easy watching, and everyone. It's, I think it's a very social sport as well. You know, everyone just go to the pub to watch it, and mm-hmm. you know, everyone just yeah. sort of has a vague idea of what's going on. And
3: it's a cultural phenomenon yeah. in England that everyone, everyone in England that doesn't play football seems to know how to play it better than yeah. you do. <laughs> 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 Everyone's just screaming at the TV in the pub. What are you doing, man? <laughs> you're like you're, you're, you're 61 you'd break both knees if you tried to play football
0: <laughs> oh absolutely you know see that's gonna be my stupid ass i'm gonna be like he's <laughs> trying to play and you know i'm just like no and seeing my knees are already messed up because of, of playing football but mm, you know I, I can see myself you know i'll be 50 years <laughs> old I'll, my son wants to do something and, and i'm like uh, uh, yeah, let's do it. And about 15 minutes in, I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm done. My knees are about to <laughs> <handle> explode. <export>
1: <laughs> I'm like that but, now and I'm only 22.
0: <laughs> so to get back to the music just a little bit, how's the support been with uh, family members, significant others? Is is there that uh, that net of support around the band?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've turned my front room into a studio uh, since lockdown has happened. So. I mean, that's, they're very patient with that.
2: <laughs> yeah, my family are very supportive. Um, my mum and my dad, particularly. My dad um, heard Circles come out and he's suddenly decided he loves us. He's, like, trying to get all his <laughs> friends to listen to it and share us and stuff like that. So, mm. yeah, definitely.
1: My family definitely takes some convincing to get <laughs> to listen to it because uh, both of my parents aren't really music fans at all, to be honest. They'll, they'll go listening to take that and they'll think that's a bit heavy <laughs> um and then my brother's very into the other i don't really know how you describe it but all the you know artists like drake and uh, the weekend things like that so you yeah. know, and, anything with a real guitar in it is a bit like oh no thanks
0: so he's more into like the r&b hip-hop oh yeah huge yeah uh... well you know and that's and that's you know i i guess it's it's great when you can have you know significant others and you know, family members uh, support you in, in, in you know, this endeavor with music, my grandmother, God rest her soul, she she always kind of frowned at it because my family is very musical. And when I told her, yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm playing drums, I want to be a musician, da-da-da-da-da, she was like, you're going to wind up being a, a drug addict and an alcoholic. And I'm like, not even close, Granny, no, come on I, now. I
1: think a lot of people just sort of, Look at musician as being the stereotypical alcoholic, drug addicts. You know. Yeah. What they like,
3: what they didn't tell you is that you wouldn't be addicted to drugs. You wouldn't be addicted to drinks. You can't afford it you yeah. stink <laughs> because
1: you're three grand guitar. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and yeah, unless you get to the level of the Beatles and Led yeah, Zeppelin, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. You've got all these really famous musicians or whatever doing loads of drugs before gigs or whatever. We just go to the pub and have a bite to eat. We're like, okay, <laughs> we're satisfied now, and then
0: we go on stage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, if you could have a conversation with any musician alive or dead, who would it be?
3: Well, for me, it would be David Bowie. He's pretty mad. He's pretty mega for me, and I'd love to sort of understand what goes on in his head.
0: Oh, he was amazing. He <laughs> yeah, he's pretty, uh, like, He's amazing. on a different level. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, for me, per se, be John Bonham, the Led Zeppelin drummer. I just think how the fuck did you get that good at drums and like what goes on in your head to think to do the sort of stuff he does. Cause he sort of revolutionized drumming. I think like the amount of people that I say, who are you influenced by the drum? And they say, Oh, you know, John Bonham, like he's just had such a massive impact mm. on drummers generally. Like he, he's one of the main reasons I got into it. So, you know, I think a lot of people now just have such a, like you know they study him and they put so much of his music into their own music so i think it'd be so fascinating to just sit down with him and be like you know really ask him sort of just the main questions you have about drumming really but
3: how about you who do you go for um
2: for me it's a toss-up between hendrix if i can bring him back from the dead because I just, Hendrix's lead is one of my favorite things in the world. Just not even how he plays, the tone, just a lot of it I find amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: Or um, Jimmy Page, just because he's Jimmy fucking Page. <laughs> 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 it, and,
0: and I loved every, every one of those answers were phenomenal, uh, especially, you know, being a drummer, you know, I'm going I'm to lean to Bonham, you know. And, you know, for me, you know, if you play rock – hard rock, metal, maybe even punk, you are influenced by, by Bonham. Yeah, hugely. There's no you arguing know.
1: about it, you know. Like, it, even even if you try and argue that you wasn't influenced by Bonham, if you are influenced by a drummer, that drummer will probably have been influenced by Bonham. So yeah, like, it's
0: indirect, it's, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so, some of their playing style will be from him.
0: Oh, and, and the same thing could be said for if you play rock, gospel, country metal whatever whatever type of music it is minus the edm stuff you are influenced either directly or indirectly by the blues
1: usually yeah well, i think a lot even a lot of edm stuff and uh, drum and bass or whatever they've got a lot of drum samples that come from blues
0: you know they, that, they do that,
1: sample a lot of blues
0: that four on the floor yeah mm-hmm. absolutely you know and, and it may not be Mississippi Delta blues, Robert Johnson type stuff, but it's you know it may be that BB B. King or it may be that Stevie Ray Vaughan or it's that sort you know of
1: style that sort of era. Right, I still use it, and it just sort of sort of bleeds through every kind of genre. Like
2: I think with Bottom as well. Just coming back to him, if you listen to Good Times, Bad Times, that's the first track on Zeppelin one. Well, so I think that was '69. If you compare yeah. it to like other drummers at the time. Like not to discredit any of them, but you listen to it; it's just like light years ahead.
1: It's, it's revolutionary. It just like
2: set the standards for modern drumming. It's just it's just such a jump in that for that one track, really.
0: Well, you know, for me, going from something like uh, Ginger Baker with Cream, mm-hmm. and then. You know, I mean, he's he's going to be on my Mount Rushmore. You know, you got Bonham, Baker, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: uh, Neil Pert. and yeah. I, I still don't know. I, it, it switches from day to day who who number four is, but those three, to me, you know, really laid that foundation down. Whether it be the polyrhythms with Ginger, or if it's just that bombastic, just feel good. You can feel every every you know hit of the the drum head with Bonham, or if it's the precision mm. with Neil, you know, it, it just, you know, that, that's your that's your think, three right there.
1: That's the thing is well, they're so different, the three drummers that you've said, and like with Bonham, is, it's very, you know, heavy hitting, like hard sort of rock, but with Neil Peart, he's just so, you know, precise, and everything's sort of laid out, what he's got, and it's just so many drums to hit, it's ridiculous, but... And I think I think the three have had a, such a massive impact on the music industry.
0: When it comes to uh, gear, and I'm I'm a bit of a gearhead. When it comes to to my you know what I my old drum set that I had to get rid of because I'm stupid. <laughs> um, are are y'all kind of are y'all gearheads at all? Or are you particular about what type of instruments you use?
1: Personally, not at
0: all, to be honest. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I, as, as long as I find a drum kit that I like the sound of. There you i go. can sort of tune it to myself like I, the drum kit i've had i've only ever had one drum kit in my life it's i think i bought it about six or seven years ago second hand i put i've put some nice heads on it tuned it to how i like and it just sounds massive
2: it's good to your drum kit sounds class to be fair yeah <laughs> but it,
1: it only it only cost me like 200 quid and it's not even like a top of the range model or anything it's just this sort of really basic drum kit that well,
3: i suppose you spent a lot of time tweaking it, did haven't you
1: that's the thing like i think a lot of a lot of musicians now they just think oh well i need i need you know a guitar that costs me five grand or something yeah but just finding something that you can play so happily and that you think sounds just exactly what you want i think that's such such a key part of getting your own sound
2: is your kit the one that's in circles or was that one yeah yeah
1: that yeah my kit my kit is in the songs that we recorded now but uh you know i i I don't even I, i barely even tune it i think I don't know what's happened with that kid, but the way it's just set up, it just, every time I play it, it just sounds just how I want it. There you yeah. go. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to obviously being influenced by Bonham again, having that sort of massive sound, but
0: yeah. I think, I think, when the levee
1: breaks. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know
0: that's so big and it just mm-hmm. takes over, you know, and, and it's,
1: uh, it's that wow. kind of sound that I mean, it's, that, it's just that kind of sound that drummers want, you know, the huge sound that if you put it through a big set of speakers, you really feel it. You know, right. I've, no,
3: I've never met a drummer who's gone, do you know, what I want for this song, I want the drums to sound really thin. You know, <laughs> yeah, I've no one that said
0: that. I can no, no, that and that'll never happen. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> Speaking from experience, the the last band I was in was a cover band. Uh, our, our, we did Barracuda from Heart. That was one I of our. And that's one of the songs because we played a lot of slower stuff. We played a lot of country, which I'm not opposed to, but Barracuda I could let loose on. And our singer, she always sang the song flat, which drove me nuts. <laughs> and when we, you know, I saw it on the set list, I'm like, okay, you start singing that song flat, I'm gonna blow your eardrums out. <laughs> and I would I would yeah. hit those cymbals as as hard as I could. And without fail, she would turn around and go, thanks, I'm deaf.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm
0: like, sing the fucking song right. Yeah. You know, I think with, with that
1: with, with that song as well, it's got such, you know, the drums have such an impact on, like, the drive of it and the momentum of the song. It just...
3: See, being a singer, I sort of, I uh, i finessed that in a way because I use ear monitors now, so I can just... Uh, <laughs> I just turn it down if he
2: gets a bit noisy. I was say, every gig, without fail, you ask a sound engineer to just turn the drums down, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, Ali, when it comes to guitar, are you particular in uh, guitar setup or certain uh, a certain brand or style of guitar?
2: Uh, I'm not one of these people that just has like a wall of guitars at home. I I'm really gig only two guitars. I've got a Gibson Les Paul, which I use for most of the stuff. And I've got a resonator guitar, which I use for a couple of the ones in uh, Open G tuning. And uh, I just took that through a Marshall Battle Band. So, yeah.
0: Nice. And bass? Uh, so, so Jack, when it comes so to not, bass? I'm not really.
3: I'm a bit of a plastic bass player. Because um, pr- I'm primarily a guitar player. But I jumped on bass for this because... Uh, I couldn't be bothered to hire another bass player. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> We've had many difficulties with bass. Yeah. So <laughs> <Yeah. They're laughs> I've,
3: I've had like I've had choice. like I've got like one bass and it was the cheapest bass I could find,
1: um, and I just set it up really nice. Yeah. And I mean, it might be cheap, but it does sound just what we want. I think.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. It's just you know, it's one pickup, one tone control. It's a short scale because. You know, I ain't, I'm not a big guy. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm right there uh, with you. I'm only five foot two, so
3: yeah. So it's like, but I've got yeah many guitars. I've got loads. of I've got a few custom shop. I've got a good a custom shop Gibson, some old Fenders, but I've got loads of amps. And but mostly I sort of set up my home like a studio. So there's just lots of stuff that makes sound. There's loads of keyboards, and I like to I like to be able to just make a song from nothing and without going to a studio i quite enjoy that
0: so with with all the guitars that you have please tell me you have a telly in there somewhere
3: yeah i've got a 50s butterscotch telly oh man it's pretty it's, it's the fucking bitiest thing like it's the most aggressive sounding you put the bridge pick up. Pick up you can take someone's head off it. it's so sharp
0: oh uh, my my uncle has a 73 telly and yeah. he can, you know, he's got, he's got like a rolling modeling amp, a small one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause he, he, he plays for a church worship band when, but when he's at the house, you know, and he's, he's writing songs or he's practicing or whatever, he can go from that, that bluesy, just kind of what a Telecaster should sound like to go yeah. to that 20 country and then hit a button on that, that amp and go straight up metal. And I'm like, you're playing metal with a with yeah. a telly. Right, really five.
3: <laughs> I, love, I I love mine, but I can't play it live because it's so heavy.
0: Yeah,
3: it's like so. It, it's more of a studio guitar for
0: me. It's just the a block,
3: block of
2: wood, ones, isn't it? Yeah, it's fucking weighs a ton. Yeah, you've brought it into practice a few times, and I've messed around with it, and it, it is just ridiculous. You have to like. but like it when you've got it on,
3: it's good if you're a setlist like half an hour. And um, if you're a setlist any longer than an hour, it's going to start to hurt. <laughs>
0: Now, I've never but, had a uh, an actual full on Les Paul on my shoulders. I've had yeah, the Telly on pretty, my shoulders.
3: They're pretty weighty. they the pretty n- heavy.
0: I, I know that a Telly is, you know, that thing is solid. Is it the yeah, same? Is, yeah. is the Les Paul just, you know, as heavy as everybody uh, tells me? Is?
2: Well, mine's one of the newer models. So they're. I'm not sure if it's the Halloween size. I think the
3: Yeah, they weight relieve really them so they just drill out drill out loads of wooden inside.
2: I mean it still is it, compared to like a strat or something, it would still be heavier, but it's it's not as bad as what it
0: used to be. Okay, okay. Because, you know, that's what I hear is that, you know, Les Pauls are heavy and I'm like, so are Tellies, but maybe I don't know, maybe less Les Paul's heavier than a telly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, possible. I fifties so ones might
2: be. But yeah. The newer model's definitely a pretty lightweight. I
3: mean I quite I quite like a fairly light guitar because I'm I mean my go-to's are, I've got a Gibson Custom Shop three four nine which is like hollow so that's nice and light and then I play a Fender Jag which is pretty light as well.
0: All right, well I want to be super respectful of your time and before before I let you guys go, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to plug your social media. And say anything that is on your mind to your listeners and my listeners as well. Uh, and you know, if you want to name drop or anything like that, I will just hand the floor over to the three of you.
2: Uh, so oh. for s- social media. If you just search Tricky Business on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, it'll come up a little. Our logo is a little sun with a face. Uh, if you could just follow us, like our page. Uh, our new song Circles is out, so if you like it, please, please share it. Uh, yeah, it gets our music get on, out.
3: Like- Get it on like Spotify, Amazon, uh, iTunes, all of them big ones. Might have to plug my one as well. I'm going to get killed for that. (laughs) Might as well. Yeah, good. Fair enough. Um, I've got a website, realjackreed.com. You can find stuff there. I'm going to make, I'm sort of building it at the moment. So I'm going to put a page on there about tricky business. There's going to be loads of information you can get. And that'll also link to the socials soon. Anything else we've got to plug? Uh, just that
2: we've got some new singles coming out as well, so, uh, keep yeah, it-
3: follow yeah. the Facebook yeah. page, we've got stuff, uh, everywhere.
0: Is, is there a time frame on, on the two, uh, upcoming, sing- uh, singles? So our next single, which is called Soho City
2: Streets, will be out, I think it's the 24th of July, th- oh. it, yeah, I okay. think it's the 24th of July, yeah, then, a- uh, yeah. uh, our third single, just called Working Overtime, I'd guess it'd be around out August, September mm. time,
0: There's not a specific date for that one yet, all right, so look forward to not only... Or go and get Circles. Go download it. Go buy it in iTunes. Stream it on Spotify. Give Tricky Business your your backing, your support. Check out their social media. Speaking from, from a host point of view, Circles is an amazing blues song. And it really, for me reaffirms that we need to hold on tight to what really started all of this musical journey that that we take on on a daily basis and that is the blues I have had an absolutely wonderful time speaking with Ali Luke and Jack today thank the three of you for coming on the show I, I we, we kind of snuck this in uh, between family obligations and stuff like that I appreciate that more than you, more than I can express. Um, thank you for having it.
1: Yeah, I, thank think, you. I really it's, enjoyed that. Really appreciated it as well.
0: As with every other guest on the Mind of Little Rage, you have an open invite to come back on the show. <laughs>
1: thank
0: you. Contact thank me. You. Let me know. Hey, we got a new single coming out. We're gigging again. You know, whatever it may be. You may come on. If you want to do five minutes, ten minutes or a whole episode, let me know. We'll make it happen. Oh,
1: cheers, no, We appreciate that. that
0: was good. And yeah, thank you. And I I love the attitude. I thank you for the wonderful conversation, especially the football conversation. <laughs> uh, I I learned a lot. You know, I actually got to talk to some some people from the UK to educate me a bit, little bit on 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 football. But uh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate your time. And you guys are you're doing it right. And keep doing what you're doing because. It sounds wonderful. It sounds like there's a uh, just a great camaraderie, that that solid brotherhood, and I wish you absolutely nothing but the best in in your musical journey.
2: Okay, man. thanks
0: Thank you. Very Appreciate much. it. Yeah. And when the the new singles drop out, may, I, I will uh, make sure and contact the three of these gentlemen and see if we can get it on. Little Rage Radio. Whatever volume we may be in at that point <laughs> maybe 9 or 10 but we'll see. And uh, with uh you know with that thank you again gentlemen for coming on and until tomorrow Little Rage out. <laughs>